Before I start this podcast, I want to add a content warning to it. Uh, within this podcast, we do discuss uh, racism, we discuss uh, Orientalism, and um, we discuss some things that some people may not want to listen to. So um, just please do bear that in mind before you listen to the rest of this podcast. Baker, she, her, an education lecturer and children's fantasy literature researcher at the University of East London. You're listening to Fantasy Book Swap, where a guest and I swap children's fantasy fiction, one classic and one contemporary, and we discuss them. Today I am joined by Steve Brooks, guitar botherer in the Dead Sea Scouts, library assistant, DJ on Radio Lewis, and today, birthday boy. Hooray! And my husband. Yes, yes. Hello. 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 Nice to meet you in the kitchen. Yeah, fancy seeing you across the dining room table. Indeed, yes, <laughs> yes. So uh, tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about what you've been up to recently. Well, nothing. Um, <laughs> well, <I'm- laughs> after, after that intro, nothing at all. Um, actually, no, I've had a lie-in because it's my birthday. But yeah, no, I've just been um, pottering doing my thing for Radio Lewis, reading a little... I, I, I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? I've been off for three weeks, so... <laughs> well, we have been looking after the child. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, there is a child as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just being um, normal. <laughs> as possible, I think. <laughs> and it's all going to go downhill from here. Absolutely. Yeah, now we're recording it, yes. <laughs> Oh God! Now maybe maybe we better. I'd better stop having the giggles. Dignity, always dignity. <laughs> so Steve, you selected for me to read the Look and Learn book of the Trigon Empire. Can you summarise the Trigon Empire for those listeners who don't know about it? Yeah, sure. So basically, it's um, I guess what we would call now a graphic novel. So it's pictures mm-hmm. and a few words. Yeah, or a comic book. Or yeah. a comic book. Yeah, I yeah. would have called it a comic book. Um, and in the early 70s, um, Fleetway, who was the name of the company, would do loads of these annuals. Yeah. So it was kind of like the thing you got at Christmas. Yes. That sort of thing. So I used to get like the Beano, uh, Wizard and Chips, things like that. One year I got the Planet of the Apes. Wow. Yeah. And the Sweeney, which included a Cockney phrase book. Gosh, yeah. for your children. For your children, for, yeah. Your dustbin lids. Your dustbin lids, yeah, see? It's been a long time since I've read it. But yeah, Trigon Empire, um, basically this book came out in 1973. Mm-hmm. It's actually a collection of stories that came out in the mid-60s, first in a magazine called Ranger, and then Look and Learn, incorporating Ranger. Yes. And um, I wasn't... A reader of Look and Learn as such, I think I used to see it in dentist waiting rooms. Yeah. I think, look, going by the state of my mouth, I think 
my mum used to take me to the dentist a lot. I had an aunt who worked there. Oh, right. Yeah, and they used to swap um, cigarettes and Valium, I think, while I had my <laughs> teeth done. So um, so that's how I would see it, quite yeah. frankly. But And Look and Learn was a magazine that was kind of educational for children in the sense it had lots of things about history and science and explaining mm. the Earth's crust, that sort of thing. Yeah, it, it wasn't my choice of reading, Steve. No, no. It was it, no bunty. No, it was... <laughs> It certainly wasn't, no. It was very um, Eurocentric, I think, is the polite way of putting it. Yes. And uh, that does kind of bear out in this story as well. But in it would be a page of the Triggered Empire. Yeah. And so I used to read that because the artwork is just amazing. Yes, we we will come on to the uh, artwork. I I think that's one of the original things that kind of attracted me to it. And then... You know, seven years after it was first shown, they put out this collection. In recent years, they have actually done the whole lot. So I think there's four enormous volumes yeah. with all the stories in. These two stories in this annual actually are the very first two. So like the origin story. Yeah, and I'm, it's Rebellion Publishing that yeah. have brought, uh, have have got the rights to it and have um, published, collected editions of the best of the Trigon mm. Empire, I think, uh, along with Roy of the Rovers and Misty, yeah, yeah, uh, and other super cool stuff, and including 2000 AD. Of course, they are the publishers of right, 2000 yeah. AD. So I will put a link to that in the show notes um, mm. for people who want to follow it up. Yeah, after we've talked yeah, about certainly, it, certainly, yeah. So can you remember your experience of reading it as a child? I mean, you mentioned you you think you probably saw it in dentists. I'm pretty sure, yeah. I know a friend of mine, Colin, he had a a copy before me because I borrowed his. Right. Um, We used to borrow things from each other for years years at a time. So I borrowed a bike of his for about six years and he borrowed (laughs) mine for like a decade. But um, yeah, I remember borrowing Colin's copy and then eventually finding one of my own. Um, We Mm. have a copy on the kitchen table here now, um, which I found in the Sussex Beacon shop yes charity shop down the road so I was really chuffed yeah um I I think that that was the same for me actually I don't think I don't remember comics as being things that you kept hold of for a long time um it certainly Mm. was there were communal reading amongst my friends so one person would get Bunty one person would get Tammy Mm. one person would get the Beano or whatever and we would share them around yeah um and certainly for me comics um my memories of reading comics was getting pocket money every week yeah being able to go to the paper shop on my own Mm. go and buy a comic and a packet of crisps and then come home and lie on the floor in my bedroom and uh, read them um read my comic while eating crisps and yeah. then it would be passed on to another friend my yeah. friend samantha and heidi right normally. okay <laughs> you, you, you had the crisp all to yourself though oh no no i never share my crisps no 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 <laughs> I, I would have a um a bag of penny sweets off the penny tray right so like a bit of a a, a kind of mixture um it was my nan actually used to get me the beano and the topper Right. Um, back in the day. And the thing is with those comics, um, yeah, they're very much drawn like comics. Yes. You, yes. You, you know, and they would have the occasional story. So there was Billy the Cat, 
who was <laughs> a child who decided he would fight crime dressed like a really bad cat. He made a motorbike helmet into a cat's head, basically. <laughs> uh, I remember Billy the cat. Yeah, but it, it had like a realism to it, which yeah. kind of stood out. And then to have something like the Trigon Empire Annual, which is all realistically drawn, well, realistically drawn in a way. Yes. Yeah, it was actually quite something. Yeah, no, it it does. It looks like artwork. It the the we will come on and talk about the illustrations, but they are very very beautiful, and I think that's something that it has a little bit in common with Misty, mm. my which was is still one of my favourite ever comics. Which the front cover of Misty looked like a film poster or a book cover, right? Yeah, right. And again, not really like what you would expect a comic. To look it it like. wasn't Minnie the Minx, was it? It wasn't. It wasn't Minnie the Minx. Although no. Minnie the Minx is wonderful in her own right. Yes. <laughs> um, so, shall we talk a little bit about Trigo then, and and his importance to the the Trigon? Yeah. Empire? Okay. So the the Trigon Empire is named after the leader, a nomad tribe called Trigo. Um, so. Yes, he has a whole empire named after him. So Megalomaniac, I think, is he actually has a dream that he uh, sees a huge city built on five hills. Um, so it's much like ancient Rome. Or Sheffield. Or Sheffield, yeah. <laughs> and he calls it, yes, the, the marvellous city of uh, Trigon. Should I, should I quickly, should quickly go over what the yeah. basic plot go is? On, t- tell us about the basic plot. Okay, the basic plot is that a alien spacecraft... Or Cosmocraft, as it's called. Because this is like mid-60s. So this is kind of height of um, Cold War space race as well, which gives it another interesting kind of twist. And uh, yes, the Cosmocraft crashes in um, Florida. And all these artefacts and books and dead beings are found on it. And um, this uh, leads to a whole load of people trying to interpret what these books mean Wasn't and they say clever men or clever men yes oh, oh, yeah science scientists it's very male yes in the text now this is the interesting thing i was going to say about this as well is the text and the artwork are done by two different people which yeah. is kind of fairly standard yeah and I looked into this and I think what happened was was that the um, story writer who's called Peter Butterworth, sorry, Mike Butterworth, Peter Butterworth's oh. in the Carry On films. <laughs> he, yeah. he, he played Slow Bottom in Carry On Screaming. <laughs> all right, <laughs> fake Complete, news. Yeah, sorry, we're in my 60s, me and memories all mixed up. So, yeah, Mike Butterworth did the text and he also wrote... Uh, a whole load of other um, standalone novels. He also yeah. wrote under a female pseudonym, uh, crime novels. So a yeah, very experienced writer. And he would write it. It would then be passed on to this guy called Don Lawrence, who mm. is very well-known artist. Mm. Comic t- book artist comic, or in general? Art? Comic book artist, right. yeah, an illustrator. And so there is that kind of lag between mm. what's actually said in the text Mm. And what you see in the pictures. So a lot of the times when, when um, yes, the scientists are trying to work out or decode these books, yeah. um, it does say things like men. Yes. And uh, scientific men get together. And it is um, one guy in particular. Uh, and the way the text is written is almost like a documentary in 
describing something that you know. Yeah. You know, because it says something like, um, and a young scientist who was called Haddon. Peter Richard Haddon. And you go, oh, yeah, Haddon. Oh, yeah, he, he decoded the books, didn't he? And, yeah, basically he spends his entire life from a young student with a scarf around his neck to a mid- middle-aged man with pipe in his mouth, wife and two kids saying, aren't you coming to the park? No, dear, still working on this. <laughs> uh, to grey-haired old gentleman in a room full of computers, he decodes it. Right. And so what he decodes is a book entitled The Rise and Fall of the Trigon Empire, which is what the comic strip was actually called. Yes. So um, so what you've got from there, that's just your kind of pre-setting. Mm. And then it talks about um, a planet far, far away. Well, I suppose it would be, wouldn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah, planets uh, do tend to be. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll just actually read the text that it says here. So this is great. More than a million miles from our world is the star of Yana. And circling it, as we circle the sun, is the planet Electron. It has eight vast continents, the most important being the continent of Victrus, where the Trigon story commences. Victrus consists of five countries. Right. Okay, so it kind of has a little map here with the countries on, and they are Tharg, Loka, Vorg, Diwali, and Kato. And the one thing that really got me was that I used to do just that. I used to sit yes. and make up countries, make up maps. Yeah. And then when you give them a name, you kind of make it slightly odd. Yes. <laughs> so, slightly odd for English. Yeah. 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 Well, that's it. Yeah. You kind of make it as um, readable in English, but not really. So, so you kind of throw in odd letters. So it's a bit like trying to um, win on Scrabble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quite frankly. So you put in a lot of V's and yeah. Y's and, and Z as well. Z turns up a lot. Yes. Well, the... you add a Z and it makes it science fiction, right? So, Absolutely. Yeah. Basically, what you then have is it concentrates on the country of Vorg and the tribe that live there are led by three brothers, triplets named Brag, Cud and Tri- Trigo. Right. So we obviously know who the hero is going to be of this. Yes. We're not going to have a a hero called Clud, are you? Well, no. (laughs) Is it Clud or is it Cud? It's Clud. Yeah. Uh, And yes, Clud turns out to be a baddie. And there's another reason why you know he's a baddie fairly soon. But we'll get back to that. Um, But yeah, they're kind of like this nomadic tribe. Um, And of course, the thing is, it's sort of like they wear fur. Yeah. They don't have any technology. Except clippers. Except clippers for haircuts, yes, yes. of course, yes. Um, they probably use the horses. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The horses Just... ate their hair. Yeah, probably. <laughs> They've all got the same haircut. They have. Well, yes. Kind of, kind of like a weird Mohican, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit kind of... It's a very short back and sides haircut, isn't it? It's, it is, it's yeah. like... You know, they're, they're not teddy boys, are they? No, no, it's, it's very much a buzz cut, which kind of reminds cut. me of Americans. And, and, yeah. and there was a thing in the mid-60s, certainly amongst British sci-fi, that you had to appeal to Americans, hence Thunderbirds. Yes. Things like yes. that is the way it is. And I can kind of see that in this. Um, I guess as well that America was, was seen as very glamorous to British children. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, the... Yeah. the so yeah, they definitely seem more American than English. Yes, I think is is what. So so anyway, yeah, he's Trigo, 
is the visionary right. of these uh, triplets. And he wants to build... He's not Tromulus, is he? Tromulus and Tremus. No, I think he's a Virgo, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, so he has a vision of this city, which he's going to name after himself. Yes, uh, as you do. As you do, yeah. Yeah, hence the um, city of Stevenus never really took off. <laughs> and, and Stevenage was pretty poor. <laughs> anyway. Stevenage? Stevenage. <laughs> <laughs> That's none of my doing. Different Stephen. <laughs> How dare you. Um, so, yes, um, three brothers and the fact that one of them wants to build this city, which is kind of a cross between... A space age city, an ancient Rome. Yes. And if there is an elevator pitch for this whole thing, it's togas with lasers. Yeah. Yes. Because because that's how it goes. It's not sword and sandals. Absolutely. It's togas and lasers. Togas and lasers. Yeah. <laughs> so you have this um, thing where that's his vision, and through what's going on with the rest of the continent, which is obviously the most important. Yes. Out of you know out of eight, I don't mm. know what the other seven are like. No. Must be terrible places. Yeah. I don't know. And this one, the funny thing is this one, where it's got like the little map drawn on the, the planet, it's, it's like, well, it doesn't look like room for another seven <laughs> continents, quite frankly. Not really, no. They're probably like the Channel Islands. <laughs> <laughs> I think. But um, yeah, so there, there's what's happening with the rest of the continent will shape yeah. what's happening with this story. And um, yeah, and obviously the clue's in the title. Yes. You know, they start off of nomads and end up emperors. Yes. We'll come back to talking about the artwork, I think, in a bit. We've, we've talked about the way that the, um, the the country that or the city that uh, Trigo forms is is kind of the epitome of civilization. It's, yeah. It's, um, yeah. It's ancient Rome, but make it science. Yeah. Can we talk then about the othering of the villains? Mm. Because they're... Is it Loka that's the country where the villains Yes. Live, which is sort of adjacent to Tharvorg and Develi. Yeah, yeah. So so basically, Loka um, is soon described as incredibly technically advanced. Yes. I mean, they've got things that fly. Yeah. Which have weapons of heat projectiles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they so they've got an air force, they've got a navy, um, and they've also got a very evil king. Yes, um, King Zorth. Again, science fiction. Zed. Yeah. 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 And this is kind of where um, it shows that the language is kind of of its time as well. So, for instance. To show he's a villain, he lives in a black-walled palace. Right, yeah. So, so that's one thing that happens there. He's also quite oriental-looking, Yes. as all the Locans are. And I think, again, if if you take it that the Vorgs are Americans... Yes. ...then the Locans are kind of cross between the Russians and the Chinese. They yeah. are... The two big communist Absolutely, powers. yeah. Yeah, um, and I think as well that that um, I mean I will add some photos uh, of uh, from this book if I can. Um, but if you look at the photo of the king, 
the evil king. Mm. He looks like a cross between an ancient Chinese warrior yeah um and ming the merciless yeah yeah and all, and all... it's very very obvious and and the colors that he he is wearing are all reds and golds yeah and the background of the main panel where you see his face is black yeah so he yeah. stands out very very clearly the way that they use shadow over his eyes yeah um makes him and he's got little um pointy moustaches yeah yeah so he's, he's kind of like he's got the what what did you say there ming the merciless was ming the merciless. merciless fu manchu yeah also um i suppose you could go into james bond territory with dr yeah. no yes absolutely you, you know again and he's got all this technology again he is wearing I suppose almost Middle Eastern dress in a sense. I mean, he's... No, I think it's Far Eastern. Far Eastern, yeah. Mm. Um, But he's always scowling. Yes. He's always quite eager to uh, kill people. Yes. Um, There's one part where his air crew doesn't do so well, so he has one in ten executed. Yep. Um, Yeah, basically he wants to take over the entire planet. Yes. And his first target is what is described as the peace-loving Vargs yeah. who are next door. And they are pretty much ancient Greece. The only one that we're really interested in is the architect yes. who built this, Peric. Peric, the great architect who built the city. And lo! And lo! A female character arrives! It's just his daughter. Calm down. Uh, <laughs> On page 14. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so basically, yeah, this is the thing with these first two stories... Mm. There's very few female characters. Yes. Um, Peric's daughter is the probably the only one, and she does you know do a number of things. Um, she's a healer. She, isn't she's she? a healer. Yeah. Um, nurse. Yeah. And um, but as in the other stories, there are a lot more. Yeah. Female protagonists as well. Mm. It's just that in this particular annual, yeah. Um, scarce to say the least. Yes. I think, quite frankly. Um, but yeah, so you've got Zorf and his evil army are basically burning everywhere to the ground. And it's kind of used as a, a plot device in the sense that Peric and what's left mm. of this Greek country have to then go to Vorg. Mm. And it's there that they meet the three brothers. Yes. And they would normally just cast them out, yeah, or whatever. But of course, Trigo, uh, as well as having you know the ability to get a buzz cut somewhere, <laughs> uh, and has this vision, he's also heard of Peric, and yeah. he says, "Ah, the man that uh, built the widest unsupported arch." And I was like, "How did he find that out?" <laughs> <laughs> Quite frankly. But yeah, so it's kind of that there is that. Now, the other thing, and and this is one of the more kind of disturbing things about this, is that Peric is nearly killed. Yeah. And he is saved by his slave. Oh, gosh, I'd forgotten about the slave. Now, his slave is a Zolt. And I don't know where the Zolts come from because they don't have a country. 
They're on a different continent. Different continent, yeah. yeah. So, so they have been enslaved. They are described as almost animal-like mm-hmm. and huge. I mean, all, he saves Peric, but he can hardly talk. Yeah. And what you find is... He's, he's kind of like a uh, Man Friday, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he's got a bit of a Charles Bronson look about him yes, as well, he has. quite frankly. But yeah, the other thing is, is that what's actually mentioned in this book later on there is something to do with when these two groups of people meet mm. um one of the vorgs is killed by the, the the zoltan slave yes and it said something about the punishment for slaves across the planet is so it's kind of taken as a given yeah that every society has a slave yes so even though it's science fiction Mm. And it's set on another planet. Yeah. It's still the European characters, the, the Greeks and the Roman characters, coded characters, mm. have slaves. Yeah. And it's it's not criticised No, at not at all. all. Not at all. It's just taken as a given yeah. that there are slaves. And in the second story, um, Trigo actually becomes a slave. Mm. Yes. At one point. You, you know, the thing is, like I say, the way I used to read, comics when i was a kid was i'd look at the pictures first yeah then i'd look at the speech bubbles mm-hmm. and then many many years later as in now i'd actually read the text in the boxes which to be honest i used to didn't used to bother with a great deal it held up the story yeah yeah it's yeah, yeah. Like my, re- my eyes are going too quick yeah across yeah. the visuals and of course the visuals are wonderful so it's kind of like i'm trying to take in as much as i can from the visuals yeah. without referring back to what is quite stilted text Yes. To be honest. But, you know, now I've had a chance to sit and go through it. You're like, oh, wow. There's another there's another um, nation who are very much like, um, I suppose, an ancient. uh, Well, they're a South American. um, Yes. Yes. uh, Which I I find I remember as a child thinking that. when I did learn about the ancient Aztecs and the ancient mm. Mayans and not really not realising that they haven't it's not like they were wiped off the face of the not everybody went. Mm. It's not like you know, those those kind of those those uh, cultures ceased to exist. Mm. And so it is the way that they are described is is very much as savage and yeah. superstitious. Yeah. And they are impressed by the Trigon technology. Yes. And so therefore they naturally, in scare quotes, defer to the Trigons. Yeah. Yeah, so there is that. Yeah. That you, that's that's part of the second story. So yeah. so what's actually happened in the meantime is that the Trigons have got some technology. So basically yeah. with the help of Peric and the other Vargs, mm. they start building the Dream City, yeah. which is quite funny because it looks like that they um, build the entire foundations within a day. Yes. So they really put their back like into it. A week it. later. A week <laughs> later, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, there's no kind of like time things like that. Everything seems to be happening at once. Yeah. So they, they, you they might get, they say get, Rome wasn't built in a day. No, no. But, but Trigon Trig- was. Trigon definitely was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or maybe a day in an afternoon i don't know but um yeah within the story itself what happens is um the the locans then 
start on another uh, country. Yeah. Uh, which is Cato, which is much more kind of, there's a lot more water for one yeah. thing, so they have to use a navy and, and different things. And um, and they're green. They're, they're kind of green, yeah. They, um, I think they put in little tinges of things every so often. Yeah. But uh, what it is, is that, like you say, it's othering all these other countries. Yes. From the Vorks. Yeah, so uh, if you, you see a photo of Trigo, he looks like Buzz Aldrin or someone. He does, yeah, 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 <laughs> and, yeah, yeah and, absolutely, you know, he's yeah. He's a very heroic-looking yeah. figure. And and he's kind of the good other characters, mm. although they're lesser than him, naturally recognise his um, his superiority. Well, yes, I mean, going back to um, what you were talking about, the, uh, the tribe that um, kind of... Are the 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 Incas or, or or whatever? There's a bit where, um, it's the jungle land. Yes. Of, of Daveli, um, which is quite funny in another way is to say that a lot of the artwork is fantastic, but I think Don Lawrence lets himself down drawing monsters. Yeah, they're quite not very fr- scary. They're not scary at all. No, just flicking through this and, um. Yeah, in the jungles of Daveli, there is this uh, creature appears. And basically, if you're familiar with Beanie and Cecil, yeah. the sea monster, that is Cecil the sea monster. doesn't look threatening in the slightest. No, he looks like he's smiling. He's he looks smiling. really friendly. Yeah, 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 a bit big. But, but yeah, so you have this tribe and, yeah, they obviously, the architecture has that very Aztec, lots of stairs. Mayan, mate, Maya, yeah. Mayan, yeah. Uh, they've they got look head- like Mayan temples. Yeah, they've got headdresses on that sort Mexico, of thing. Mexico, yeah. yeah. And then the way that Trigo wins him over is actually has a fight with the leader. Oh, Who yeah. then has to bow on his knees before him. Yeah. Which is kind of like a trait that's used in lots and lots of those stories. You see that in... Um, uh, I remember reading, I might have been in Look and Learn, I'm not sure, about... The, the conquest of Mexico. And yeah, that was very much sort of lots of lots of priests in um, you know, exotic robes and, you know, mm. headdresses are being forced to to bow down. And uh, yeah, the the leader has a club, doesn't he? Yeah. It's a war club rather than um, you know, any There's no lasers there's there. There's no lasers. No lasers in the jungle, yeah. And so we've we started to talk about the artwork and the way that you read comics yeah. um, as a child. So it's not it's not as we've said a traditional British children's comic. It is it for one thing it's fully colour. Well, it's largely coloured. Was it yeah. largely coloured in Look and Learn? To I'm your pretty sure it was actually. Yeah. yeah, which is again made it stand out. Yes, very much so. Uh, it looks looked like an American comic. Yeah, 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 very much. It's, it's kind of like much more the styles that we're used to now. Yes, you know that you see everywhere. But that's the thing with this is to have a whole annual that looks like that was just fantastic. Yeah, I remember getting annuals of uh, Misty. I mean, I'm mm. talking obviously in the in the late 70s and the early 80s, where you would have maybe one full colour story. Yeah. And the rest of it would be black and white. And they were very, they were very much drawn in a classic girls comic. Right, yeah. Type of way. So it was still quite stylized, mm. although not in a cartoony kind of of way mm. but it certainly wasn't 
like this, because this looks to me like um, 1950s, 1960s um, film posters. Yeah, That's yeah I suppose there's an like. element to it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, there were um, comic strips like Dan Dare and different things yeah. from the generation before, but I didn't really. No, I wasn't familiar with it. Wasn't them. familiar with it. You mentioned also that we, when we were talking at the beginning about the way that there were very few women in the first mm, uh, yeah. first story, but the way that Don Lawrence sort of contradicts the text sometimes, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. So Don Lawrence would receive the text. Mm-hmm. Don Lawrence is the artist, and uh, he would receive the text and then work on it at his own speed. Yeah. So I think he quite. A um, bit tongue in cheek at times with mm. some of the pictures. So if we go back to the very beginning of the story, where mm. the Cosmocraft that had a dead hand on the Astro Helm yeah, <laughs> um, crashes, and then you've got basically a picture in kind of like um, a lecture theatre as such, yes, where it says, uh, I'll, "I'll just find it actually because it is quite funny the the way that it's gendered as well." Ah, there we go. Medical men studied the sketches made from the bodies of the dead spaceship crew. So what you've got here is this lecture theatre. You've got a guy in a white um, jacket, of course. Lab coat type outfit, yeah. Pointing at... at, uh, They've still got the buzzcots. Yep. Yeah, these are descendants of of Trigger. That isn't Trigger, I'm pretty sure. Um because uh, it's an empire. Yes. You know. yeah. So they've got the spacesuits, they've got pictures of his head, and then there is a giant picture of a naked yes. uh, person who, uh, according to the chart, is 12 feet tall. Good grief. Okay. And in between feet six and five, which is where his genitalia should be, there is someone who stood up and their head is covering <laughs> the the embarrassing part. But what's also interesting in there is there is definitely a woman yeah. on the benches. And in the previous panel, you've got professors and learned men from every country studied the many volumes and charts. And it's a library scene. Yeah. And there's lots of men studiously sat round. Uh, they all kind of look like psychoanalysts to me. But, <laughs> and they're looking at these books. And but there's also a woman stood up, yeah. reading one of the books, and, yeah. and I don't think there's any inclination that she is just there as a librarian. She is part of this team as mm. well, and I, I think that's quite funny. Yeah, they are all white, mm. obviously, but yeah, there's there's more. There's certainly not. They're not all men. No, uh, I, th- in, I think there's elements where Don Lawrence is stuck in little bits like that. Yeah, which either he may have done for a bit of fun. Perhaps. Could have done. Yeah. He may not have read. He may have been like me, not read the text boxes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah. So the only female character of any note as such uh, uh, that gets anywhere near being a protagonist is, mm. is Peric's daughter. Yes, who's the healer and at different times heals various people. Yes, and um, yeah. So the other thing I was going to say about. Again, it's to do with the artwork, and I, I suspect, I don't know how much of this was down to just Don Lawrence mm. or there was any lead from Mike Butterworth. But um, we talked about the how 
the othering and the mm. kind of Orientalism that's going on yeah. with how the Locans are described as well. But also they've got like um, kind of, they've all got like little either goatee beards mm. or small moustaches. Now King yeah. Zorf's moustache points up. Yes. And I remember when I first saw this, I was like, oh my God, he's like an evil Ali Bongo. <laughs> But but then later on, his chief scientist turns up, who really is Ali Bongo. Oh my! So, yeah. But the other thing is, is so they've got like strange um, facial hair, yeah, as such, and so has Cud, one of the triplets. Now Cud yeah. turns out to be the traitor, the one that he's um, jealous mm. of Trigo, um, and the one that basically goes to King's Orf to try and bring his brother down. And he's got a goatee. Yeah. Which in the mid-60s also kind of meant villain. Yes, absolutely. I mean, wonder, yeah, I mean, famously, Walt Disney would not allow anyone with a beard to work for him, would he? <laughs> so <laughs> Villains yeah. they are. They're all villains. But yeah. that was also another way of, of denoting communism, I think. Yeah, very or, much that like Russianness. Lenin beard. Yeah. yeah absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, and again, kind of just ties him in visually with with the, with the villains. Yeah, yeah. and, and um, also the villains are not quite as muscular as well. That's right. another thing yeah. that happens in this. But um, I, I think it's great as what it is. You know, in the sense of like it's it's incredibly well drawn. Yeah, it has this kind of epic sprawl to it mm. that um, a lot of other comic stories of the time didn't really have. Mm. Although it is a product of the mid 60s and therefore has a whole load of things within it. Yeah. That that would need critiquing. It's the main the, the mid 60s mainstream culture. Yeah. Because there were of course lots of uh people who were sort of I mean Martin Luther King for example yeah, exactly, protesting yeah. against uh racism and the mainstream culture. But yeah, it is um I think it is something that it, yeah, if you want to read it and read it and enjoy it, fine, but be aware of. Well, yeah, I guess I think there's a something, might be something innate that um, certainly a, a lot of us do in the West is you kind of take things that are almost subconscious. Yes. And stick it somewhere. So, for instance, Star Wars and Star Trek also oh, yes. do exactly the same. And yeah, you you stick in all weird and wonderful names. Yeah, you change um, people's hues uh, and things like that. Um, the, the same things are still going to be prevalent. Yeah, absolutely. Un- underneath it, but yeah, I mean, um, I I love it as a as an artwork. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like the thing was with this whole program, you said to me, "What was your favourite book?" And I know almost everybody else has picked a book with slightly less pictures in. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. But, <laughs> we have more graphic novels coming up. Oh, do you? Oh, brilliant. Yeah. But that, but yeah, this is this is just the way I was. I I didn't read books as such. Mm. I read newspapers. I I, I kind of uh, do say I learned to read through the Daily Mirror, which is back then it was slightly better than <laughs> it was now. But that's that's how I learned to read. Yeah, you know, well, I learned the, to read with comics. Yeah, I mean, well, not learned to read. I learned to read at school. I resisted learning to read for a very long time because I hated the books that mm. I was reading at school so much. But comics, certainly when I was six, seven, eight, 
other things that kept me reading. So yeah, I, yeah. I love comics. Well, I'm just very, very visual. So yeah. um, comics, films, things like that, TV shows. Yeah. That, that's my introduction to literacy in, yeah. in a sense. So, so yeah, it was kind of like this was the first thing I thought of. As, as the same with the boy. Yeah, yeah. That's how he learned to read at school. He was taught to read at school, but he want, became a reader yeah. through reading subtitles and uh, games instructions, didn't he? Yeah, so, absolutely. And, and he's, he's now reading Marvel comics and stuff like that. Uh, not that we encourage him. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think it's great. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I really enjoy it. And, um, but I, I also enjoyed the one that you found. Yeah, well, let, let's, let's move on to that, shall we? Yeah, so, sure. So um, my choice was the graphic novel adaptation of Artemis Fowl by Owen Colfer. Um, it was adapted by uh, Michael Marecki. Marecki? I don't know how to say his name. And it was illustrated by Stephen Gilpin. You know, if, if I was a proper, you know, researcher, I'd have found out how to say that name. Wouldn't you I? would, yeah. You'd written, yeah. It, written it down phonetically, which is what I always forget to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I will um, read the blurb on the back for you. Mm -hmm. Stay back, human. You don't know what you're dealing with. 12-year-old Artemis Fowl is a millionaire, a genius, and above all, a criminal mastermind. But even Artemis doesn't know what he's taken on when he kidnaps a fairy, Captain Holly Short of the LEP Recon Unit. LEP uh, stands for Lower Element Police, as we will discuss in a bit. These are not the fairies of bedtime stories. They are armed and dangerous. Artemis thinks he has them right where he wants them, but then they stop playing by the rules. This graphic novel adaptation of the internationally best-selling novel offers an exciting look inside both Fowl Manor and ha Haven City as it follows Artemis Fowl's battle against a cast of creatures beyond your wildest imagination. What did you think of the artwork in uh, Artemis Fowl? We, I, th I think, yeah, again, it has a kind of realism but it's mm. kind of halfway between the comic and realism yeah. really so in a way i think it's very much um drawn like a lot of graphic novels comics these days yes it reminds me a lot of noel stevenson who is the um those are fans of the new uh she-ra cartoon oh right yeah but that is kind it's it's very it's suggestive of features rather than realist when it comes yeah. to drawing features yeah exactly so, so quite lantern jawed characters yeah yeah it's not quite as realistic as say the stuff i say realistic <laughs> <laughs> as uh, as kind of um it's not as colorful either is it it's much more muted no it's a bit of a wash kind of palette yeah. yeah um but you know there's no problem with that I, I i think the one thing that i noticed reading it was that it's pushed along by very little dialogue Yes, there's very little dialogue and there are very few text boxes. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't I don't know if there's many at all, to be honest, of text boxes. I think it's just at the beginning of each chapter, it tells you where it's set. So yeah. you've got chapter one, Ho Chi Minh City, summer. Yeah. And that's all that's you know it. about yeah. it. Yeah. Whereas like the, the Trigon Empire is kind of the way that I think the way they used to use text boxes mm. was like, this is the describing stuff out of 
books yes and then you've got the dialogue is separate so in that way it's quite different from for example uh, marvel comics because marvel comics have quite a lot of they often have a uh, a sort of a page at the front of them Mm. at the front of a new story which describes the background of the story it's got little interstitial details about villains and so on yeah um i was looking at uh the amazing squirrel girl um just a couple of days ago right and looking at the amount of text that there is yeah in that. yeah well funny enough I, I was talking about like the annuals and things yeah. they came out so another one that i found in the the same charity shop is the mighty world of marvel 1978 which yeah. is another one that i actually had oh wow. so i was really chuffed to get that yeah. again but what you have in that is you have like these standalone stories. Yes. Yet every other panel has a little asterisk that says, as seen in Marvel such and such <laughs> volume there. So, and you're like, okay. Upselling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of, yeah, well, that is the, the MCU all over, isn't it? Absolutely. But, um, yeah. But yeah, the Artemis Fowl one, the very little of that. Uh, and that's not to its detriment at all, actually. I, I think it works really well. Yeah, I, I suppose I came to reading um, this graphic novel after knowing the books. Mm. Um, so I do feel that some of Owen Colfer's descriptors are right. really missing. Yeah. Um, it's not... Um, a lot of the humour, I think, is missing from uh, from the graphic novel. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think. That? Yeah, I don't know the books themselves. So, yeah, but um, I can see that. Yeah, because not to say it's humourless, mm. which which it isn't. But yeah, there's certainly probably some nuances that would make it slightly more rounded. Yes, I, I guess. What I, what I like in this though is there is a number of panels where there's nothing, just a picture. Yeah, uh, and you go, oh, right, yes. Yeah. So that's kind of like usually an action thing. Yes, or, or something like that, um, which you certainly don't get in the Trigon Empire. No, no, it's very, it's very much described. You, you're in the Trigon Empire. It's all the text box almost is pointing you towards how you should feel about yeah absolutely yeah so so um you're not really allowed to have other feelings about the characters other than that's actually described in the story brave trigo brave trigo yes 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 Um, treacherous clud yeah treacherous (laughs) yeah yeah um uh, and, and things like that yeah i suppose the, the funny thing so like i said i didn't really know anything about artemis fowl when i picked this mm. up so i did the usual thing and googled of course <laughs> you know and of course there's been a, a, apparently a very bad film made of it yeah oh yes yeah, so I, I i think i'd have to be paid quite a lot of money right in order to watch that film i don't want yeah to where, where apparently they were a bit concerned about his um, criminal mastermind yes. level. And the thing is, he's actually quite nasty in this. He's an anti-hero, for yeah, sure. very yeah. much so. Yeah, yeah. And all, quite blasé about it. So he will inflict pain and whatever yes. on people and not really care because it's just part of his yeah. master plan. So, I mean, shall I describe the master plan? Yes, okay. please do, yeah. So um, Artemis's father has disappeared, um, which is the basis of the the 
film actually that he is is doing crimes in order to get his father back artemis senior Mm. is in fact also a criminal mastermind well yes he's uh (laughs) he goes missing on um a venture to sell co- uh, Coca-Cola to the newly liberated, is that the right word? The the f- countries of the former Soviet Union. Anyway, that's what, right. what he's going to do. So the countries that are now capitalist, who were yeah. part of the Soviet Union. And uh, so he has taken his... Um, that, is, that is pretty evil, isn't it, really? Because basically... Well, they're... he's evading tax. That's oh, he's the evading, idea. He's evading tax, but also yeah. their teeth were awful before... <laughs> Coca-Cola turned up. Well, some of them, maybe. Perhaps he's in league with kind of dentists as well. Wow. The National League of International Criminal Dentists. There there we go. Yeah, absolutely. Bring you in with their graphic novels. Oh, do you know, I could work on that all over because, um, yeah, there's... uh, in the in one of my favourite films, The Italian Job, the criminals hang out at a dentist to discuss their plans. So, yeah. Uh, No wonder my teeth are bad. Right. So, um... Artemis dis- uh, discovers that because he's still 12, uh, he still believes in fairies. And he finds out uh, through the dark web mm. that fairies have, um, he still believes in fairy gold. Right. So he decides to kidnap a fairy. So where this book ties in with the Trigon Empire is that Artemis discovers the book of the people. The book oh, of the right. fairy people. Yeah. So he then has to put his criminal mastermind genius brain to work in order to decode the book of the people. Right. In order to find out this the the how he can kidnap a fairy to get the fairy gold in order to continue to fund his father's criminal uh, empire and also get his father back mm. so that is the outline of the story so the fairy that they capture is uh holly uh, holly short yes officer officer holly short yeah who i absolutely love she's brilliant mm. the um owen colfer who i was on a panel with owen <laughs> owen colfer at uh, just to say at yeah. Worldcon in dublin his elevator pitch for um Artemis Fowl is die hard with fairies. <laughs> but the what we're thinking about here is that Artemis is not the world weary cop. No. Of no. he is actually what's the name of the bad guy in in um Oh I I, I, I just, Alan Rickman. He's Alan, Alan Rick, Rickman. Yeah, Alan Rickman with a German accent. Yes. Yeah, so that's that's who Artemis Fowl is. Right. Whereas Holly Shaw is the good guy who's called John something yes john hard i don't know the the world weary cop who has to save everybody yeah who's your favorite character Um, i loved um i love holly who do you yeah i kind of i didn't necessarily have a favorite as such i mean yes she is um she has a similar um relationship with her boss yes as the bruce willis characters in die hard and and yep. I think that's really familiar to a lot of um, popular culture, isn't it? It's a familiar trope. Yeah. There's a, this cop who's the renegade cop and is going to go against all um, yeah. all advice and protocol to bring down the baddie and everything's going to go horribly wrong, but the renegade cop's going to yeah, win they've the all, day. Yeah, they've, they've all got 
the um, boss who's a bit of a hard ass. Yeah, which is uh, Julius Root. In, in very, yeah, Julius Root in this. Um, in very, so, so you've got like uh, ones I remember from point of references being the TV. Starsky and Hussey's Sheltie boss. Yes. Quincy had a Sheltie boss who was slightly less aggressive. Yeah. Uh, even Inspector Morse. Oh, yes. Ha- had a boss who would shout at him and would always... Yeah, strange, wasn't it, his name? And and he was always completely wrong about yeah. things. One thing about Commander Root, though, is he does get involved. He does, uh, yeah. At some point in the story. The other thing is that the fairy world works on a much different time scale. Yeah. So... Um, and they're technologically advanced. Oh, like yeah, much, Trigan much Empire. more, yeah. yeah. Um, you've also got um, a touch of the James Bond in there as well yeah. because you've got a centaur yes. who's the chief scientist who wears a lab coat. And a foil pointy hat. A foil pointy hat <laughs> called Foley. Yes. And he's kind of like Q. Yeah, he's as in very he, like he, he, dis- he dispenses the weaponry Yeah, and, and, and things like that. Um and gets fed up because no one takes his weaponry seriously. Absolutely, or breaks it, or never brings it back. Yeah. yeah. So if Q had been a horse, yes, or a talking horse, anyway. That. Was, <laughs> um, so yeah, that. Um, but it's kind of like they're very familiar tropes, all those things. Yeah. And yet they're part of this other world, yes, sort of thing. And the fairies kind of look after or police this other world because you've also got. Uh, dwarfs, goblins, trolls, witches, yeah, and, and probably various other ones. There's I mean, sprites, sprites, and elves, uh, and pixies are all part of the um, the police because I think Commander Root's a fairy. There's also another um, gung, a very gung ho um, character called Grub. Is it- who is a sprite, I think, has wings. Whereas right. um, uh, whereas Holly is a pixie. She doesn't have wings. Oh, so she has pic- to wear mechanical wings. Right. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I did wonder about that. Yeah. Yeah. There's one called Cludgeon, who's yes. like another commander and a lot more gung-ho. Yeah. Um, the only other one that we get introduced to is Mulch, the dwarf. Oh, I love Mulch. Who basically... Um, he's a criminal as well. He's a criminal as well, yeah. He's a uh, burglar. He's a burglar, but his way of burgling things is to basically tunnel in yeah. using his mouth. Yeah. So he just opens up his mouth yeah. and devours the herb. And then like an earthworm, it just shoots out the other end. Yes. And uh, woe betide if you stand in the way. Yeah. Um, in the human world, the only kind of characters we've got, we've got Artemis Fowl. Yeah. We've then got his bodyguard stroke butler called Butler. (laughs) This is Butler, my butler. He's he's often a a joke that goes throughout the novels. Right, okay, yeah. He's also a very heavily armed butler. And he's uh, he's an expert in many martial arts. Yes, hurting people. Yeah. A lot. A lot. Yeah, Yeah. who uh, has a younger sister called Julia. Yes. Who basically acts as the housekeeper, is that right? She's or? like a housekeeper and maid in, in this book, yeah. Yeah, and they look after Artemis and his mother, who in this book is bedridden. Yes, she's kind of had a nervous breakdown after her husband disappeared. I'm not surprised. Yeah. 
<laughs> considering yeah. the backstory. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, what's our twelve-year-old doing today? Is he going to play tennis? Is he? Is he just going to sit and read a book? No, he's um, you know, devaluing the pound. <laughs> or or uh, the euro yeah, it's set or, in Ireland or, oh it's yeah. set in Ireland of course it is yeah yeah it's a small cast very in, small cast in that sense yeah. but it works fine yeah, yeah you know and um, the interactions between all of them follow kind of things that we are familiar with yeah so um, Juliet's quite um, I was going to say spunky but that doesn't really work anymore feisty Sorry? feisty feisty yeah she's quite feisty but also she gets caught out by holly quite easily yeah she does yeah she's she's, she's naive be, as well yeah yeah she's supposed to be a couple of years older than artemis but not that much older she's maybe 17 or 18 yeah. i think yeah the, the interesting thing i just realized about artemis Val being 12 is there is that theory that um before your teenage hormones kick in yes you are as developed as you can be mentally. Mm. So, yes, I suppose if you look at a lot of... We've got a 12-year-old ourselves. So is he an evil genius? I think he has tendencies that way. Possibly, (laughs) possibly, yeah. He has has declared himself Lord of the Dark before now. Yes, he certainly keeps telling telling me he's in charge all the time. So I I, I suppose, yeah, there could be a case of that. So, um, yeah, once those uh, teenage things kick in, then... You know. Yeah, I I think um, the kind of ideal readership of um, Artemis Fowl, both the, the novel and the graphic novel, is is probably nine plus. I think um, you you in order you can read it and on the surface you could read the graphic novel. Mm. You wouldn't necessarily have to know about all of the tropes that Owen no, Colfer's no, bringing no, of in. Not, no. But I think it's a lot more fun if you do understand them. So Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I would be absolutely rubbish at putting an age on books. Yeah. You, you know, because I'm 55 today. Happy birthday, All darling. the fives at long last. All the things I can do now that I couldn't do at 54. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, because I, I, I just love, I can pick up any graphic novel really yeah. or any comic and read it regardless mm. of the quality and certainly on comic uh, store day yes there, there is all those one-off things yes again which kind of most of them leave me as confused as reading an old marvel going, where did <laughs> this come from who is this person but um that's why it's so much easier to read with google <laughs> than it used to be you can yeah, look things yeah, up yeah i know it's, it's terrible isn't it really all this uh information at our fingertips because i think both of us now watch films and tv programs with the internet movie database at our fingertips Absolutely. Going, who is that actor oh he was in that thing yeah and it's it? usually the bill yeah. <laughs> let's face it the <laughs> bill or law and order the bill, yeah <laughs> Yeah. If it's American, it would have been a law and order. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes. Anyway, it's we, not a casualty. Anyway, we, we divulge from um, <laughs> whatever we were supposed to be doing. Was there anything else that you, you wanted to, to say about either of these? Well, I really enjoyed the Artemis Fowl one. Um, yeah. Whether or not I would be tempted to actually pick up the novel and read it, I don't know. I must say, I, I as I said, I prefer I, I prefer the novels. Yeah. Um, Just because the way that graphic novel adaptations have to work is that it takes out a lot of the detail yeah you, like yeah. like film adaptations yeah do. Sure, any kind yeah. of adaptations you lose a lot of the detail yeah and they ha- they've only done this one haven't they, they haven't... i don't think so i think there's more than that I what mean, more it, graphic novels is there yeah oh, interestingly right. enough it's um the, this is a penguin book oh right yeah or a puffin i should say puffin yeah, puffin. Club. yeah. um 
So it, I think there are more of them. Right. But I don't know whether the entire series of Artem's Foul books mm. has been ad- adapted. And I must say that I think probably it's the first five, four or five books that I like the most. There yeah. were eight of them. Right. Okay. And now there's a new a new series with right. uh, Artemis's younger twin brothers, which I haven't yet right. read. Right. Okay. Yeah. But they, I really there's want no to. no indication as any no, siblings. Th- well, in the this, siblings yeah. the siblings happen after Artemis Senior's return. Oh, I see. Spoilers for for later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Artemis Falbert. Yeah. Yeah. Because I did just notice on the cover of the graphic novel, it does say now a major motion picture, which um, I'm not sure we'd agree with the major. No. 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 Exactly. No. Um, but yeah, I can see how they're tying it in. If uh, anyone, uh, it. if anyone listening has watched uh, the Autumn's Foul movie, um, do please, you know, email or tweet and let me know what you think. Whether I should watch it, um, I am wondering whether as a future fan fund for um, uh, EasterCon, maybe I will, I will watch it for money. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good point indeed. Yeah, I think as an introduction into the um, stories yeah it works quite well so yeah, yeah like I say, me personally i may not go and read the novels but i can imagine for a number of kids yeah or whatever who like me prefer visuals yes we'll see this and um because something that uh uh kind of not embarrassment as such because it's just the way i was brought up but we didn't do shakespeare at school yeah um because i was in a group that wasn't allowed to what? Only the top set did literature. Uh, well, like I, at my school, only the top set of maths were allowed to look at computers. Yeah. We weren't. No, you know, no. Thick goes bre- in the third. You know, you'd break the, break the switches and scare the monkey and uh, <laughs> that sort of thing. But um, so I have been back and looked at some of the graphic novel yeah. adaptations of Shakespeare. And of course, they come in three different ways, don't they? Because you have yeah. ones with just dialogue, yes. ones that's a bit of dialogue and a bit of text in modern language. And then you get the other ones, which are the whole thing. Yeah. Literally redone with pictures. Yes. So it's like an illustrated yeah. version of Although Macbeth or something. There's not a great deal of stage direction, as far as I remember, in, in Shakespeare. It is mostly dialogue. I think. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. But yeah. but that's I have looked at those things. I don't see graphic novels as being. And I mean, I have written academic work on this. Oh, you know, yeah. just to just to bring in the fact that I am a researcher. <laughs> I think that reading graphic novels is different. It's not lower. It's mm. not uh, lesser reading. Um, it's just different and you deploy different skills. It's something that I think in our increasingly image driven society and particularly around, you know, people sharing uh, a piece of text on coloured background that looks deep and pithy, but is mm. often not. I think that we should be learning uh, and teaching children how to read images alongside text because mm. That's that's the way that a lot of fake news is is yeah around. yeah of course yeah I so. think I think really what it is 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 that's how I was brought up to see comics as something lesser oh very much uh, 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 I'm very lucky that my my parents never deterred me from reading comics but no, I know no I, other I, I people think how, how school yeah. school would look at things oh, like yeah, that yeah school you know. would never school never approved of of 
visuals we no. were we were rushed away from picture books as quickly as possible yes in yes fact. yes well funny enough i was just thinking actually um we've just been away to bex hill and one of the places we frequented a lot the entire inside of the uh toilet was um the bass street kids <laughs> Uh, and yeah, well, that might make make uh, people take rather longer over their <laughs> ablutions than they oh, might. Well, well yes, I must admit, I took some photographs um, of the <laughs> of the comics. <laughs> Thanks for I, I, this I, is a family show. I yes, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. Um, oh, okay. but, but yeah, I, I I would say Artmosphere um, for me works as a uh, possibly a gateway into the novels mm. and an introduction. Trigger and Empire is almost a historical work. Yeah. In, in that sense, yes. um, because um, of I mean they're both products of their time, so. You know, yeah. in 50 years, someone will be looking at Artemis Fowl and going, well, look what this said now. Yeah, you well, there, there are things even now that, that I, when I reread the novels, I think, oh, that's very 2000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. 2000, that was last week, wasn't it? <laughs> so thank you, Steve. Well, um, thank you, yes. Where can people find you and your projects online? Okay, well, um, I host a radio show called Vapor Trails, which goes out via Radio Lewis, which can be found on a platform called Spreaker. Um, that goes out every Thursday at five o'clock. And um, I have also have a website, uh, www.vaportrails.org, I believe it is, or something, or Vapor Trails 66. I'll, I'll add it in there. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I haven't written it down. Um so that's my major contribution to civilization. Uh, <laughs> I think I also. Um, oh, you have your bank holiday show as well. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's sort of bank Which... holiday. So I do a, a, another show um, that comes out the first Monday oh, of right. every month, and that's called Winkle Pickers and Floor Fillers. Oh and yeah, we don't have a bank holiday every month, do we? Not unfortunately, not, not quite. No, no, not on the first Monday. Um, but yeah, Winkle Pickers and Floor Fillers is just my homage to the 60s because I'm kind of obsessed, which is probably why that picked the Trigger Empire, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so it's all kind of 60s music, so all different genres. Um, and there's no DJing, so there's none of me rattling on, which is quite nice. Um, instead, there's just clips of Pafé News um, adverts and a number of clips of julian and sandy oh and uh yes i from round the horn from round the horn yes i won't go any more into it but yeah. it's boner it's very boner yeah well thank you uh, thank you steve and mm. thank you everyone for listening to episode four of fantasy book swap you can find us on twitter at a fantasy swap on facebook at fantasy book swap or email fantasybookswap at gmail.com. 0898 Fantasy Swap, <laughs> I should probably say. You can subscribe at most of your favourite podcast places or download from Podbean. Thank you to Steve for not only being a guest, but also production assistant. Oh, you're very welcome. And to Jack Sadler-Johnson for the use of his beautiful track, Bliss. Until next time, bye. Bye.